right, well, good morning. My name is Brandon, one of the pastors here at River City. It is good to be with you guys this morning. If you are new or visiting, just want to say welcome. We are glad you are here. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or help you get connected to the community here, we really would love to do that. And so come find me or someone else that looks like they know what's going on around here. We really would love to get to know you and help you get plugged in here. So uh, this morning, looking forward to opening God's Word with you guys together. We are, this fall, taking a look uh, at Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. And and uh, we framed our study in the Ten Commandments in the context of one of the most central storylines of the Bible, and that is that God is making a people for himself. Himself, and a people that uh, a people that are made in His image, who live for the praise of His glory. You see, and throughout that storyline, one of the primary ways in which God's people bear His image and glorify Him is by obeying His commands. Because what we see throughout Scripture is that God's commands—they don't just tell us what God wants. They tell us what he is like. God's commands, they, they don't just tell us what God wants. They tell us what he's like. And they are a revelation of who he is. You see, they're not just a, some legalistic list of God's favorite rules or just like the ones he thought were the best ones to think about on the day that he gave them. They are a revelation of his character, of his identity, of who he fundamentally is. You see, so at the heart of the Ten Commandments isn't a list of rules to follow, but rather a description of what it looks like to bear God's image, to reflect his nature and his character, to glorify him. And oftentimes when people think about the Ten Commandments or God's commands in general, they, they think they're just kind of some outdated, burdensome list, checklist of do's and don'ts. And at, at best, it's just kind of a thing you just got to suck up and, and just muscle your way through. At worst, it's this, this kind of overbearing, oppressive chains that keep you from experiencing life and but what I've hoped you've seen so far in our study is that God's word says the, that they are indeed the exact opposite. Psalm 19 tells us they refresh the soul, that they give joy to the heart, that the, in them there is, in keeping them, there is great reward. You see, the Ten Commandments aren't instructions about how to get out of Egypt. They're not instructions about how to free yourself or save yourself or prove yourself or merit something for yourself before God. Instead, they're a guide that shows God's freed people what it looks like to live in the freedom that he has already bought for them. You see, they're an invitation to a life of incredible freedom and blessing because they show us how life was always meant to be lived. They show us the way it works best when it's lived reflecting the God who made it. And so we've seen so far in the first four commands is that that life of freedom and blessing, it has everything to do with worshiping God. The first command focuses on worshiping the right God that calls us to worship the one true God supremely and exclusively. The, the second command, it focuses on worshiping the right God in the right way. We're, we're to worship him as he has revealed himself to be, not as we want him to be, not the version of him we want to make for ourselves. We worship him as he has revealed himself to be, not as we want him to be. Third command focuses on worshiping the name of God because God's name is a revelation of his identity and it's, a, it's a, about his reputation and his character. We're not to misuse it. Instead, we're to hollow God's name, to praise it, to exalt it, to honor it with our words, and more importantly, we saw with our lives. And last week, we talked about the fourth command, which calls us to focus on worshiping God through a rhythm of Sabbath rest. While the command we talked about last week, it has deep implications for what we do on one day a week. Ultimately, it's not about just one day a week, but it's about God's people living a life characterized by dependence on him and rest in him, characterized by resting in the finished work of Jesus every day, not just one day. 
See, together, those first four commands, they're referred to by theologians as the first table of the law. And what distinguishes the first four from the rest of them is that they're primarily about our relationship to God, while the rest of the commands deal primarily with our relationship to other people, right? Don't murder, don't steal, all the other kind of stuff. And those commands are referred to as the second table of the law. And so it's usually the second table that, that of commands that people think are the most important. It's usually the ones about don't murder and don't steal and don't lie. Those are the ones we really focus on, the ones we really hammer on. But when Jesus is asked in Matthew 22 which commands he thinks are the most important, He responds by summing up the first four commands like this, by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. See, what Jesus is saying is that worshiping God with your whole self, worshiping God supremely and exclusively and rightly and restfully, that's the foundation for all of the other commands, right? The first commands are often viewed as the, the least relevant ones, but what Jesus is saying is they're actually the most relevant. They're actually the most important, the most significant. They're the greatest ones. And be the reason because if our relationship with God isn't right, then our relationship with people isn't going to be right either. If, if we don't love God rightly, we won't be able to love people rightly either. And that brings us this morning to our study of the fifth command, the command to honor your father and mother. Perfect timing. I know. It's like we planned something. It's like we thought ahead, which we did. It's a miracle, right? But the fifth command this morning, to honor your father and mother, it sits at that transition between the first and the second tables of the law, at the transition between our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with people. And as we study this morning the fifth command, what I want to do is I want to show you that this command is not just for children. It's not just for children. It's actually for all of us. There's two reasons. One is because we are all children. You might be a child for a little while, but you are someone's child forever. Some of us have grown up. We've always known or respected our parents. We've had a relationship with them. Some of us have only ever known one of your parents or, or even maybe your adoptive parents. Some of us have grown up apart from our parents. Some of us have even outlived some of our parents. But regardless, the fifth command applies to each of us. Tim Challies writes it this way, There is no human being outside of its purview because there are no parentless people. See, but the fifth command isn't just for all of us because we are all children of someone, but, but because, like children, we are all under authority. God's commands are, are meant to be taken literally and principally. See, Christians have always understood that the fifth commandment uh, around surrounding the relationship between parents and children is ultimately about, about a, a t- setting a template for the other relationships that we have with authority in our lives, whether that be the government or uh, in the church or at work or in the home, all different kinds of places. And so we're all children and we are all under authority. And so this command is true for all of us. It's, it's the foundation of, if the foundation of the first table was the first commandment, then the foundation of the second table is the fifth commandment. Kevin DeYoung, he writes it this way. I think it's so helpful. He says, the command to honor your father and mother is the foundation upon which love for our neighbor is built. It's telling us how to treat one another. God starts with our families because loving your neighbor starts at home. Now, before we dive in this morning to our study as we think about the fifth command, I just want to begin by acknowledging that for some of you, if not many of you, thinking about the relationship with your parents can be really hard. It can bring up uh, pain points, 
uh, hurtful memories, things that are really difficult struggles. And the idea of honoring them can, can feel even more difficult, if not impossible. And, and I acknowledge that in some cases, honor is going to be really difficult. In some cases, there are, is real damage that runs incredibly deep. There are some traumas and experiences that cannot be looked, overlooked and shouldn't be overlooked. And yet I still feel that God's word calls us to honor our parents. And so this morning, as we study something that can be hard and challenging, I want to invite you to trust me a little bit, to walk with me in the midst of that. It might be painful, but it's going to be incredibly important as we think about living as God's people who bear his image. As I've prepped and as I have prayed this week in, in, in preparation for study and our study, our time this morning, I feel like God has something good that he wants to do in all of us this morning. See, for some of you, uh, that might be a, a corrective thing. For others of you, it might be a gentle and gracious, restorative kind of thing. Um, but for all of us, I think God's word is meant to bring life if we're willing to put ourselves under its good authority and let our hearts and lives be shaped by it. So towards that end, let's pray and we'll read our passage as we think about and study the fifth command this morning. King Jesus, we come before you this morning. We are grateful for you. We are thankful for your word. God, and we come uh, just with the realization that the topic that we're addressing this morning can sometimes be really hard. And so we ask, God, that you'd be graciously, gently coming alongside of us, God, empowering me to speak rightly with, with grace and gentleness and truth, yet power, God, and also be enabling our hearts to respond rightly to you. And so we just say, we really need you. We can't do it without you this morning. Any other morning, too, but we pray that you'd be gracious to meet us in our need for you this morning, God. Amen. Amen. So Exodus 20, uh, verse 12, begins this way. Honor your father and mother so that, it may, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So our roadmap each week as we've been studying the Ten Commandments, four points on our roadmap. Uh, we've been talking about instruction, revelation, confrontation, and transformation. Four ways we want to think about the passage. So same again this morning. Let's dive in. So this morning we begin... What is the command to honor your parents all about? What instruction is God giving us? Well, that word honor, it literally means to to see something as weighty or as as heavy. That term calls for showing respect, for taking uh, parents seriously into account, for treating them as significant. It's the the opposite of showing somebody honor would be trivializing them or disregarding them or, or treating them as if they don't matter. You see, honor is something that begins internally and then it manifests itself externally. One commentator sums it up this way. Honor is an attitude accompanied by actions that say to your parents, you are worthy, you have value, you are a person that God has sovereignly placed in my life. So the command calls us to honor, but it's important to notice what the command doesn't say as well, as much as it, what it does. You see, the command doesn't say you have to admire your parents. The command doesn't say you have to have affection for your parents. Most surprisingly, the fifth command doesn't even say you have to obey your parents. Instead, the fifth man calls God's people to honor them. Tim Challies writes it this way, God's basic command to humanity is not to obey your father and mother because obedience ends and at times can be sinful. Instead... God's command is to honor your father and mother because honor never ends and never is wrong. You see, don't get me wrong. The Bible uh, clearly, definitely, absolutely calls children to obey their parents. 
In fact, in Ephesians 6, Paul uh, commands uh, specifically this when he tells children to obey their parents. He's specifically referencing this command. But in this passage and others like it in Ephesians 6, what you see is that the language of obedience tends to be used when the Bible is talking about young children who are under uh, the provision and the, and the authority of their parents. But when it comes to passages in the Bible where, t- where the passages are referring to adult children, there's this subtle shift that the Bible takes from obedience towards respect and towards, and towards care. You see, and that helps us to understand the, the reality that honor does not always equal obedience. Honor is not the same thing as obedience. All children, no matter how old, no matter what age, are called to honor their parents. And when children are young, honor most often takes the form of obedience. Obedience is a child's display of honor. It's how they show honor. You see, and parents are right to expect and to require obedience from their children. And children are right to honor their parents by obeying them and by respecting them. And so in doing so as parents, by requiring and expecting obedience, what we're doing is we're teaching our kids about the inherent goodness of being under good authority. You see, we live in a culture that expects, if not, if not encourages, rebellion. You see, we assume it's a rite of passage. It's just what kids do, especially teenagers. And yes, there is a natural development in the way people grow and the way they learn about who they are and express themselves. And you don't parent a 15-year-old the same way you parent a a 5-year-old. But that doesn't mean that children have a license for rebellion and for disrespect, for stubbornness, for disobedience. It may be what they do because they're sinners. You see, disrespect and disobedience is sin. But it, it doesn't, it may be what they do, but it doesn't lead to life or blessing for them. And it definitely doesn't lead to life or blessing for you. You see, and if we don't exercise good authority and require our kids to obey, what we're indirectly teaching them is ultimately that they are the king of their own lives, that they're the ones who have the ultimate authority. And on a pragmatic level alone, that's not going to be helpful for anybody. That's not going to help you in your life going to the grocery store and just trying to like get some groceries without losing your mind, right? But it's not going to be helpful for you and your kids as they seek to have real relationships with other people in the world. More importantly, though, it won't prepare your kids for meeting the real king. You see, if your kids don't learn to submit to your authority, how are they ever going to learn to submit to God's authority? If they can't submit to someone who they can see and hear and touch, how are they ever going to learn to submit to someone who they can't see and cannot hear and cannot touch? You see, ultimately the authority that God gives us as parents is ultimately about pointing our kids towards him and that shapes the way that we exercise the authority that we are given in their lives it means that our discipline should not be an attempt to keep our kids under our control it shouldn't be an attempt to punish them for annoying us or for making life difficult for us or for embarrassing us but instead the goal of our discipline should be to shepherd our kids to long to be under the good authority of God You see, and I want to say this as graciously and as gently as possible this morning. There are lots of reasons why parents do not exercise good authority of their kids and do not require obedience of them. There are lots of ways, but there are two things I think really I want to highlight this morning. And one is that parents don't do that or find it incredibly hard because they themselves are not putting themselves under God's good authority. 
or that they're just not putting themselves under the authority of others, and so they feel like hypocrites. See, some parents have never been able to submit to any kind of authority, whether it was their own parents growing up, their teachers, whether it's their boss at work right now, whether it's the government as a total, or even God in all. See, they've never experienced life under good authority, they've never submitted to good authority, and so they don't feel like they can uh, or require it of their own kids. Another reason why some parents don't exercise godly authority and require obedience of their kids is because ultimately their kids are their functional gods. You see, sometimes for parents, your identity gets wrapped up in your kids' approval of you, what they think of you. And so there's no way you could ever discipline them. There's no way you could ever require obedience of them because it might affect the way that they view you, the approval that they give to you. You see, and in both cases, someone other than God is functioning as God in your life, whether that's yourself or whether that's your kids. And in, if one of those things has hit you this morning, please know my, my, uh, my intent is not to condemn any of you. It is not to like pile a, like a, just a dump truck of guilt or shame. That's not the goal at all. But what I do want to do is I want to graciously call you to repentance and faith in the one true God the one whose good authority you are rightly and justly under, but also the one who has graciously given you authority over your own kids, but he's done it for their good. So look for your approval from him so that you might lovingly exercise good authority over your kids. Teach them to honor God's authority by first honoring your authority. And so it's good and right for parents to expect obedience from our young children, but obedience all isn't always uh, obedience is always meant to be a temporary means by which we prepare our kids for a life of choosing to put themselves under God's good authority. See, there comes a time when obeying your parents is not the appropriate way you're supposed to relate to them. If if you're 35 and your 60 year old mom calls you and is like, you know what, I need to, I need you, you guys need to move because you're too far away, and I I need you here, and and the job that you have, it's just not really good. You need to you need to change that. And I don't know what you're wearing in that family photo, but that's terrible, right? Like, get it together, right? Like, move on. You see, that's not okay anymore. That ship has sailed, right? That's not how that works, right? When you're five, your mom gets to tell you what to wear, right? That's not how it works in the rest of your life, right? That ship has sailed. But the question remains, what does it look like for adult children to honor their parents? For young kids, it is rooted in obedience, right? That's the display of honor that kids have for their parents. But what about us for as adults? How do we show honor to our parents? What are our continuing obligations? What, what are, and what about parents that are difficult or, or absent or hard to love and hard to honor? What about parents who are no longer with us anymore? What are the, what are the frameworks as we think about this command? And while we don't have time to answer every question this morning, I want to give a few practical principles, and then I want to encourage you to think about it carefully and to pray, talk with God, and talk honestly with others who you think are wise, trustworthy examples. You see, sometimes honoring our parents is going to be difficult. It's not always this clear-cut, razor-clarity thing that that we absolutely know undeniably what it looks like. There will often be difficult things in that. It will often require us to exercise wisdom and walk fine lines. But God wants to empower his people to obey his commands. And so I just encourage you, ask him to help you do that. He wants to give you wisdom as you think about it. So a few practical principles or ideas for honoring our parents as adult children. First is this. Honor them by showing them grace and forgiveness. 
Honor your parents by showing them grace and forgiveness. Some people, especially people who don't have kids yet, have kind of idealistic, unrealistic expectations for what your parents should have been or how they should have parented you or should have treated you. And like, it's, it's like there's always going to be something wrong. Jesus could have been your dad and you've been like, you know what, I just don't like the beard. He should have trimmed it differently, right? It's just, you would find something that you didn't approve of, right? And some of you just need to realize that you are expecting way too much of your parents. You are expecting something from them that only God could meet. You're expecting them to do something for you that only God could ever have been for you. And sometimes you just got to give a little bit of grace and you say, you know, when parents are sinners and I am a sinner, it's not always going to be awesome. Sometimes it's going to be hard and sinners make mistakes and sinners fail and sinners sin against other sinners. And this enables you, realizing that it enables you to show them grace and to extend forgiveness. You see, it doesn't mean you ignore sin altogether. It doesn't mean uh, that there are some offenses you don't, uh, that you don't have to deal with. But maybe there are some offenses that God is calling you to overlook, to extend grace towards, or even to intentionally choose to forgive. You can say, even you can acknowledge your parents, what you have done was wrong or hurtful or whatever it was, And either justice has come when Jesus died for your sins on the cross, or justice will come when you meet him and stand before him. But either way, I'm going to let Jesus be the one who deals with the penalty for this. And I'm going to trust him and forgive you. You see, forgiveness and showing grace, it can be really hard. But it's one way that we are called, I think, to honor our parents. Second, I think we can show, honor them by showing them thankfulness. One of the ways to honor your parents is to point out things that you have learned from them, things that you value, things, things that, you are, uh, that you have been impacted by. Point out things that are good things in your life that you can attribute to them. I know my parents will be listening to this. They listen to all of them. Uh, and uh, I have said things like this before to them, and they are worth saying again. As I think about my folks, I am so thankful for my parents. I'm so thankful for the ways that they made me obey. They didn't just let obedience slide. My parents made me obey in gracious and good and kind and firm ways. They caused me to obey, and I am grateful for that. I am thankful for the way that they sacrificed physically and financially for my own good and for my benefit. I am thankful for the ways that they showed me what hard work really looks like and the intentionality and the goodness of of working diligently and working hard. I'm thankful for the way that they modeled and taught me how to manage money and to give sacrificially and generously and joyfully and with life in the midst of it. I'm thankful for the way that they taught me about what hospitality looks like and what it looks like to welcome people into your home and to care for people well. But most of all, I am thankful that my parents loved Jesus more than they loved me. And they showed him to me again and again and again. With their lives, with their words, they called me to faith in the one in which they loved more than they loved me. Now, don't get me wrong. My parents were not perfect, are not perfect. I mean, they're PC Android users, and if that doesn't tell you somebody's a sinner, I don't know what does, right? But but it can be easy for me to take for granted the blessing that my parents have been. It can be easy for me to take for granted the blessing that my parents have been. And I realize that that is not the case for everyone. That is not the case for everyone. For many of you, it can feel like a very short, if not empty list of things you can think to thank your parents for. But I want to encourage you, ask God to show you something. 
even in the pain, even in the hard things, ask God if he might give you eyes to see something to be grateful for, a way that he has shaped you because of your parents. So, number three, I think we can show them honor by showing them that we value our parents. We honor them by showing them that we value them. Maybe this is with your time. Maybe it's with a word of encouragement. It doesn't mean you need to spend all of your time with your parents. It doesn't even need to mean, need to mean that you spend the most valuable time you have with them. But it does mean not ignoring them. Also, showing you, your parents that you value them, it might look like asking for their advice. You don't, really need, you don't need to always do exactly what they say. You don't need to always think that they are marvelous or the world's greatest gift to humanity. It doesn't even mean that you need to confide all of your problems in them. But maybe there are some things that you can show your parents that you value their wisdom and their input by asking them for your help with. For me, one of the ways that I do that is whenever I have any issues that have to do with my house or my cars, I always call my dad. I always talk with him about it. I don't buy a car without talking with my dad about it. Does he demand that? Absolutely not. Could I get a car without him? Absolutely yes. Is it is it uh, his wisdom a helpful blessing? Yes. But more than any of that, when I ask my dad for his wisdom and insight with that stuff, what I'm showing him is I'm telling him, I'm telling my dad, I value you. I appreciate you. I understand your opinion and your wisdom is valuable for me. I want you to know that. You see, maybe this is a way that some of you who have really difficult parents who are hard to honor might be a way that you could honor them. Maybe your parents have skills or abilities that you can ask for advice or help with. That might be one way you might be able to honor them. Next, I think we can honor them, honor our parents by showing respect for them. And that starts, I think, with your words about them. How do you talk with your kids about your parents? How do you refer to them? How do you speak about them? More than that, even how do you speak about your spouse to your kids? I think one of the most important things that we can do in honoring our parents is about speaking about them and speaking to other parents in a way that reflects an honor for that role. Even if you disagree with your parents or feel that they are not worthy of honor, you can still respect them in the way that you speak about them. For some of you, and I don't mean this in a trivial way, for some of you, honoring your parents might simply mean not speaking about them very much. And I don't mean that to trivialize them or to belittle that, but for some of you, one of the ways you might be able to honor them is just by not speaking much about them. So speaking words about them. Also, I think we honor parents in the words that we speak to them, right? You can, um, I, I think this can look like some of the things that I've said before about asking for help, about asking for advice, about encouraging, about offering thanks, but most importantly, I think this has to do with, our kind, with the way our tone and posture is as we speak with our parents. Is your tone and posture with them marked by a kindness or a bitterness? Is it marked by a gentleness or a harshness? Is it marked by an openness or, an, or a defensiveness? Again, honoring your parents, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean obeying them. Respecting your parents, it doesn't necessarily mean obeying them. When parents demand what God forbids, then we don't obey them. We obey God, and we honor them by obeying God, who is more important than them. Or when parents overstep their bounds and demand obedience from adult children, we may also refuse to obey them. But even in your refusal to obey uh, your parents as adults, you can still show respect. Rather than exploding in anger or making a great show of kind of just defiance, you can respond with dignity and calmness and respect, even while remaining firm in the positions that you hold. Showing respect also, it does not mean agreeing or enabling. 
I need you to hear this. Showing respect to your parents does not always mean agreeing with them or enabling them. You see, respecting your parents doesn't necessarily mean agreeing with or approving of everything they have ever thought or done. It doesn't mean just giving them a pass because they're your parents. And respecting your parents, it certainly does not mean enabling their sin or covering it up or hiding it from others or or from, from other people in family. In fact, sometimes the most honoring thing that you, the most honoring, the most respectful thing that you can do for your parents is is to graciously and lovingly confront them in their sin and call them to faith and repentance in in Jesus and life in him. And so we can respect our parents, show them respect, but also I think we can honor them by showing them a reflection. One of the best ways you can honor somebody is, is to repeat what they have taught to you, right? Old adage, right? Flattery is, or imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, right? If you had a good example of parents, then imitate them. Reflect that in them. Reflect the things that you saw in them as as they see that there is tons of honor in that. Maybe your parents were not worthy of honor. Maybe there is not a lot, if anything, that you want to imitate about their parenting. But maybe you can honor the office of parenting by reflecting good examples of parents. Whether it's what you see in the world or whether you see here at River City, Um, honoring parenting in your own family by reflecting good examples. Lastly, I think we can honor our parents by showing them care and support, whether that's checking in on them or visiting them or helping them as they get older. I am so incredibly thankful for my mom's example of selfless and humble care and support these past few years for my own grandparents, for her parents, as she helped them as they finished their races here on earth. And I, as I think back about the past few years and, and her, the way that she loved and served her parents, there was nothing easy about that emotionally. There was nothing easy about that physically. There wasn't anything easy about that financially. But she showed me, I think, what a powerful example looks like of what it looks like to choose, to really intentionally choose to honor her parents even though it was hard. And I am so grateful for that example and for seeing that in her. So I hope that's been helpful for you. Few practical ways to think about honoring our parents. We can show them grace and forgiveness. We can show them thankfulness. We can show them we value them. We can show them we respect them. We can show them a reflection. We can show them care and support. Some of those things are easier than others. Some of it is more clear than others. But I want to encourage you, ask God to give you eyes to see how he might be calling you to honor your parents. Because ultimately, the call to honor our parents isn't about them. Ultimately, the call to honor our parents isn't about them. See, ultimately, the call to honor our parents is actually about God. And that brings us to what this command reveals about God. You see, first it reveals that God is the sovereign ruler of all and that he is both in authority over us and he both places us under the authority of others. You see, we honor God by honoring the people he has sovereignly placed in our lives, whether that be our parents or the government that we find over us or our bosses or our employers. There are lots of ways we do that. And it's not because, notice in this command, it's not because that they deserve to be honored. It's not because they are worthy of honor. It's not because they have proved that they should be honored. But it's because God is always worthy of being honored. You see, if there was ever a father who failed to deserve the respect of his son or or a king who failed to deserve the, the respect of his subjects, it was Saul, the first king of Israel. That dude was an absolute monumental train wreck of a father and of a king. 
And yet David, his successor, and Jonathan, his son, both chose to honor him. And they respected his God-given authority, honoring him because they honored God. David and Jonathan, they both understood that there is something sacred about authority because it comes from God. So it demands a level of respect. One commentator sums it up this way. He says, just as God's sovereignty is displayed in elevating rulers to lead a nation, God's sovereignty is displayed in choosing parents to give birth to a child. God calls us to be people who respect his sovereignty by respecting the parents he saw fit to give us. There is no exception for bad governments or bad parents. He calls us to honor them as an outflow of honoring him. I need you to hear that this morning. Ultimately, the call to honor our parents isn't about honoring them, but it's about honoring him who is worthy. But the passage points us as well, not to a God who is just a sovereign ruler who's worthy of honor, but a loving father who wants to bless and give good gifts to his kids, a father who is easy to honor, who, who we long to do it for. You see, God doesn't lead with the stick. He leads with the promise of blessing. Did you notice the second half of the verse, right? It says, so to obey your, or honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. The Apostle Paul, he echoes these words as he's speaking to Christians in Ephesians 6. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And the point is not that if you honor your parents that you will physically live more days, right? But the point is that honoring God, obeying him, God's ways, they bring life and blessing. God's ways bring life and blessing. It is the natural outworking. And that's because God wants for his children, he wants to bless his people. He's not a capricious, evil, manipulative kind of God. He wants to bless. The God that we serve is a father who is full of life and blessing. Over and over in the Bible, God reveals himself as a good and loving father who desperately loves his children and genuinely longs to bless them. That's the character, that's the identity of the God that we are called to honor through honoring our parents. The problem is is that while God is is a righteous and just sovereign ruler, and while he is a good father, a loving father, the truth is that we are all rebellious sons and daughters. See, and that brings us to how the passage confronts us. You see, Satan lives in rebellion against God, and Satan wants us to follow his rebellion in living independently from God. You see, like Satan, we have both sought to be the rulers of our own lives. We have sought to be the ones in authority of ourselves and to reject all other forms of authority. We have, we have rebelled against our good God, our, our good king, and our loving father. We have not only dishonored our parents and those in authority of us, we have failed to honor our parents rightly. And in doing so, we have both dishonored God and failed to honor him rightly. You see, we have done what is wrong and we have failed to do what is right. And like the rest of God's law, the fifth commandment for us is impossible to keep. It's not just difficult. It is impossible for us to keep. We fail somewhere. None of us is a perfect child. See, oh, but Jesus is. See, none of us are the perfect child, but Jesus 
is. Philip Ryken writes this, from, manger, from the manger to the cross, Jesus was an obedient son who brought honor to his earthly parents and his heavenly father. He is more than our example. He is the perfect child that God demands that we should be. And everyone who trusts in Jesus has a perfect obedience to the fifth command. Because when Jesus obeyed his parents, he was keeping God's law on our behalf. You see, and when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all the ways that we break the fifth commandment as much as any other sin so that so that instead of looking at what we have done instead of looking at all of the ways that we have dishonored and disobeyed our parents all the ways that that we have uh, dishonored God in the process God looks at what Jesus did in obeying his earthly parents and also in honoring his fatherly his heavenly father and he looks on us and he sees Jesus's perfect obedience you see Jesus is the perfect savior in part because he was the perfect child I see, and it's faith in the person and the work of Jesus, the perfect child, the perfect Savior on your behalf. That's the thing that frees you to have the kind of fatherly family relationship with God that not only fills your heart with love and approval, but it's through him, it's through him that you have the kind of perfect parent love that you have always longed for, the kind of perfect family love that you have always looked for to find in someone or something, to find in only the thing that even the best parents cannot give. You see, and it's through faith in him that not only transforms your relationship with God, but it's the thing that transforms your relationships with people. It's the thing that transforms your relationships with people, especially your parents. You see, it's only when your primary relationship is with God that you'll be able to love and honor your parents well. It's only when he is the one that shapes you that you'll be able to love and honor them well See, not depending on them too much or too little, not looking for them for something that only God can actually give you. You see, it's the gospel that transforms our ability to honor those in authority over us, even those who don't deserve it, because we're not doing it for them, but for, but for God who abundantly and endlessly is worthy of honor. You see, for those of you who are here this morning, and the thought of honoring your parents is incredibly difficult, it is really hard, even painful, I don't want to minimize that. I'm, I'm not trying to, to trivialize that, but what I do want to do this morning is I want to maximize Jesus in front of you this morning. I want to elevate him in front of you this morning. See, he loved you when you were not worthy of love. And he adopted you when you were not worthy of his family name. And he wants to empower you with that same kind of love, with that same kind of motivation, so that in honoring your parents, even those who are not worthy of it, you might find life in worshiping him because he is absolutely and unendingly worthy of it. See, there's life in that. There's life in the midst of the pain. See, that's what we celebrate every week when we take communion. We're remembering that Jesus was the perfect son whose body and blood were broken and shed for us so that, his, so that in his perfect sonship, we might have his perfect sonship credited to our account. You see, communion, it does not make you right with God. It does not change your status with him. It does not turn you into the perfect son or daughter. It's only faith in Jesus that does that. Instead, remembering communion, taking communion, it's a chance for us. It's a way in which we remember 
remember who he is, remember all that he has done. It's a way that we remind ourselves of the perfect, glorious son who brought many of us to be sons and daughters to glory, home with him, so that we might be filled with a love and a gratitude and a thankfulness for him that might overflow in a life of worshipful obedience unto him. You see, the bread and the juice, they are in the back. And a river city, you take the bread and you dip it in the juice. That's how you take communion here. And as we sing and as we worship and as we remember the gospel together in song this morning, if you have put your trust in Jesus, if he is the perfect son in which you trust that you are seen as perfect in, if he is the, if you have trusted as his perfect sonship on your behalf, then whenever you're ready, go back. Take communion during our time of worship. Go back, remember all that he has done for you. Remember the cost of it. Remember the life that is in it. You don't need to be a member here. You just need to belong to Jesus. But if not, if you've not trusted in his perfect sonship on your behalf, then I would encourage you this morning to hold off on taking communion. You are welcome here. You are absolutely welcome here. I encourage you, don't just go through religious rituals. Don't just go through the motions. Instead, come to Jesus. Let the person and the work of Jesus transform your relationship with God so that it might transform your relationships with people and especially your parents. And so as we take communion, as we sing, I would encourage you this morning, talk with God. God calls every child of every age to honor our parents, to refuse to dishonor them as an outflow of the way that we honor him. And so ask him graciously to convict your heart of where you are falling short of honoring your own parents. Ask him to give you eyes to see that. Ask him to show you as well how he is calling you to honor them as worship unto him. But more than any of that, don't just stop there with what you're doing wrong and what you're supposed to do. Ask him to show you the beauty of Jesus, the one who was the perfect son for you on your behalf in ways you can never and will never be Ask him to show you that so that in him you might be free to honor those to whom honor is due. To that end, let's pray. King Jesus, we come before you this morning. We are grateful that you are absolutely, unquestionably worthy of honor. God, there is nothing dishonorable about you. And so, we got, God, we come this morning recognizing that you are worth every ounce of honor we have to give you. God, and also recognize that you call us to honor our parents as a way of honoring you. And so, God, we ask that you would help to empower us to do that. God, for some of us, our parents are not worthy of honor. They are not worthy of the respect that you call us to give them. But Jesus, you are. And so, God, we pray that you would graciously motivate us, not out of duty, not out of obligation, but out of love for you, the one who was the perfect son on our behalf the one who gives us right relationship with the good, perfect Father who loves us perfectly and approves of us rightly, who gives us what our hearts are longing for. God, empower us with that kind of gospel good news so that we might be your people who live for the praise of your glory by obeying your command to honor our parents. God, for our good, for your great glory in all the world we pray. Amen.